The Innovate 608 podcast is brought to you by Starting Block Madison and sponsored by the Wisconsin State Journal, Madison.com, and the American Family Insurance Institute for Corporate and Social Impact. The Institute invests in visionary entrepreneurs who are building scalable social enterprises, offering economic opportunity for all, healthy youth development, learning, and academic achievement, and resilient communities. From the Starting Block Madison studio in the beautiful Capital East neighborhood of downtown Madison, Wisconsin, this is the Innovate 608 podcast, and I am your host, Nora Rowan-Schmidt. Today in the studio, we have Scott Resnick and Forrest Woolworth, two well-known Madison entrepreneurial ecosystem powerhouses, founders, and champions of innovation. Gentlemen, welcome, and thank you for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nora. Tell me a little bit about both of your roles in the Madison entrepreneurial ecosystem. Hi, I'm Forrest Woolworth. I'm the chief operating officer of Purblue, which is a mobile game studio in Madison. I'm also on the uh, board of Starting Block Madison and just finished my term as uh, co-chair for the last three years. I'm also involved with Capital Entrepreneurs as the founder of Capital Entrepreneurs um, and the uh, board member of the Forward Festival. And I'm essentially Forrest's hype man. So wherever I go, <laughs> exactly. I try to make sure folks know that Forrest is in the room, his presence is felt, people know that he's on the scene. But outside of being a hype man, which does not pay well <laughs> at all. Um, not yet, anyway. Forrest, really, you need to pay me more for this. But uh, <laughs> um, Chief Operating Officer of Hardened Design and Development, uh, work with a number of companies, early stage companies, mentoring them on their process to... Uh, to find their entrepreneurial journey, uh, serve on multiple boards, including the Starting Block Board, uh, previous executive director to Starting Block, and uh, served in a few political capacities. Let's go back to the beginning. What did the scene in Madison look like 10 years ago? And why did both of you decide to put roots down in Madison? And how did capital entrepreneurs and some of the ideas that would later become starting block take shape? Yeah, so that's um, that's been a while now. So it's been yeah about 10, 10 years or so. Uh, we've Long, longer than that. Twelve we, years or so. We're actually. getting old. I know we're old. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that we were actually just graduating from UW. Um, and uh, we're doing startups uh, while in school. Kind of, kind of got to know each other through the UW entrepreneurial community, and then we're graduating in 2009. And uh, we all wanted to basically stay in Madison. There's a group that wanted to stay in Madison. We really liked Madison. We wanted to be able to stay here, um, and chose to do that. And then while we were graduating, we wanted to be able to stay connected after we graduated, and we wanted to basically make a, a support resource and network for us to stay in touch with each other and try to meet other entrepreneurs that were uh, that were in Madison as well at that time. Yeah, I, I mean, I would simply add it was about making Madison a better place for entrepreneurs. We saw many of our friends leave to the coast, to Chicago. Uh, no one was essentially, or very few folks were doing it right here in Madison. Uh, I, I would look back at the statistics, you know, when we graduated college in around 2009, you know, essentially there were about $25 million in venture raised. Uh, there were several startups that were trying to grow, but it wasn't a great time to leave college, let alone the economy. Uh, pretty rough goings uh, you know, at that juncture in Madison's history, but it was how do you build it right here and how do you do it in your back, own your backyard? 
Yeah, and the, the default at that time, if you're going to do a startup, was you go to you go to San Francisco. That's just what you do. Or if you want to be in tech, you go to San Francisco. And that's, you know, coming from my background as a computer engineer and a computer science, like that's what a lot of my peers were doing. Um, but we really liked Madison. We saw a lot of potential in it, both from a, a, a tech community, but also from the entrepreneurial community. And um, you know, we had met you know, a handful of uh, very interesting folks doing really interesting things while in school. And you know, the, some of those folks were sticking around as well, and wanting to really build that community up to kind of create the peers for each other to basically be like, hey, we can build this here, and you know, kind of taking the entrepreneurial mindset in itself and building a community of entrepreneurs and being entrepreneurial about how we approach that um, as well. Can you talk about the importance of capital entrepreneurs and how that was a catalyst for some of the other things that followed? Yeah, it's really about capital entrepreneurs basically was about getting the people in the room literally, which the original room was actually upstairs at Brokaw on the square when they were up on the square. That was uh, where we first got folks together, said, hey, let's, you know, we have these friends that we knew in town that were doing this. Many of them also had recently graduated um, doing a tech or kind of startup kind of space uh, venture and said, hey, let's get them together, let's grab a beer and just talk about entrepreneurship stuff and see what happens. And that's that basically became the first Capital Entrepreneurs meeting uh, back in 2009 upstairs at Broca. And then we said, hey, let's do this again next month. And then it happened every month since then for a number of years and, and kind of started kind of just getting the folks together to start talking about and having this sense of community around them of other other people doing um, entrepreneurial things and wanting to help support each other and, and build out Madison as a place for uh, entrepreneurs to feel that they, they, they have a home. And then where, how does Starting Block fit into all of this? I know the story, obviously, but for our listeners that don't know the story, how did some of the ideas for Starting Block start to come together? Was that because of Capital Entrepreneurs? Was it because of some other side meetings? How did that all come together? Well, you know, much of Starting Block came together is looking for a place where many entrepreneurs were able to be housed in one location. Uh, it was the same journey for Forrest and, and Per Blue, myself at Hardin, other startups saying, what happens if we actually co-located? What happens if we brought many of our companies together under one roof? What would be those types of small uh, collisions that would occur? What would be the new ideas that could be sparked or catalyzed by all being in one unified location? Uh, it started out as sort of a, a pipe dream of saying, what happens if we all located together? We could then take those proceeds, put the, that money, instead of going to a landlord, back into the entrepreneurial ecosystem and, and essentially reinvesting uh, in ourselves. Uh, that took many different journeys uh, over the course of, of seven years. But you know, today we're sitting in, in Starting, Blocks's, Starting Blocks podcast studio. Yeah, and it was always it was always about like the the, the startups and, and giving a home for them to physically locate and have their their, their um, operations, um, and also just being mindful to make it really flexible and supportive of, of startups because like startups, you know, you don't really know what you're gonna be in six months if you're gonna be out of business or if you're gonna need to double your team size and that how that relates to like the traditional commercial real estate space. You know, when you wanting to ask you to sign a five plus year lease and you don't really know your plan six months from now, um, it's kind of difficult to do that. Plus just wanting to be around other uh, other entrepreneurs, other companies doing really innovative, interesting things um, was interesting. And the other aspect of it was, you know, bringing the support resources together in one spot too, because there had, you know, over the, over the years, um, a number of other really great entrepreneurial support resources had started to emerge in the ecosystem, um, all kind of located all around the city, you know, all around downtown, but there wasn't really a, a spot you could go to to kind of, you know, essentially see the ecosystem or see kind of have like a one-stop shop and get access to um, to the different great resources that do exist. And part of the idea there too is like, let's bring these 
bring all this stuff together, create a hub uh, to, to physically locate a lot of this, these pieces together, but kind of serve as that center point, um, focal point of, of the entrepreneurial community as well, both uh, startup side, but also the, the resource support networks. And there's a fantasy around entrepreneurship that it's easy. You might see the social, the movie, The Social Network, and you're like, oh, that's how Facebook was occurred. But the reality is startups are really, really hard. Yes. Many, a majority, far and away fail. And it's difficult. It's not psychologically easy. It's taxing on your body, both uh, mentally and physically. Yeah. You know, so by building a home that you can build that support network to say, yes, you might fail in this journey, but here are different pathways forward. And here's different ways to tackle a problem, whether it's in life or whether it's in building a business. Yeah. That's why a place like Starting Block becomes so critical to the community of building that culture and being that bedrock of, of you know, the innovation process. Yeah, and it's about creating um, creating the infrastructure to to help startups and future companies become more successful. And like, what can we do to help a startup in the future be just a little bit more successful, have it increase their chance of success? Was was a lot of the kind of the goals and the mindset we went in with this with. With the group of founders and the team that worked really hard to make sure that starting block could become a reality. Was there a a, a any kind of guidebook? How did you work out all of these different um, issues and challenges? Was there anyone else around the country doing something similar that you looked to for advice? Or is Starting Block truly just the result of some incredibly talented, creative entrepreneurs who put together a formula that was successful? You know, I wouldn't give us that much credit, but uh, <laughs> Forrest deserves most of the credit. No. I, I know. But no. So this was something new. There was nothing exactly like it. We wanted to be a beacon for the Midwest uh, f- for anyone who had an idea that wanted to start a company like Starting Block should be their home. And although there were places similar to this in Chicago and New York, either you found communities that were significantly larger that we're doing something like this. And I mean in magnitudes of millions of people. Uh, or, you know, spaces that didn't have the right kind of energy or look or feel, not the right vibe. You know, Starting Block was an idea before WeWork came about. You know, we were very much on that cutting edge to say what's next for Madison. And I don't think if the right timing lined up to watch Madison grow as an entrepreneurial community, Timed almost exactly with the start of starting block, uh, shovels in the ground, American family choosing to go down the road of innovation, the city of Madison deciding that they would redevelop a used car dealership into a home of innovation. If all of those stars didn't align, you simply wouldn't have starting block here today. But there was no roadmap. Uh, We were building our own playbook as it went along. Yeah, and that was, I mean, the original conversation started back in 2012 of just getting some of the groups, different people together and said, hey, like, what if we, what if we build something crazy like this? What would be, what would it look like? What's the vision for it? Um, started looking at potential locations, had a lot of discussions at a couple, you know, startup weekend event ha- that happened in Madison around that time and just kind of tried to get the folks together and like build the vision. And for sure at that time, there was not a playbook by any means. And, you know, even co-working as a concept of at a, even a rough level of high level of co-working wasn't really quite a, quite a, quite established even at that point either. So 
What has changed the most in the Madison ecosystem in the last 10 years as a result of some of these successful projects like Starting Block um, and for other reasons? And why is that significant? Well, I would say it's the groundwork that was laid at the University of Wisconsin back in the 90s to embrace computer science, uh, to put that those capabilities of strong engineers located right here in Madison. It was investments in community in place. And although it took, you know, multiple decades to see both of those co-enact at the same exact time, um, many of those investments took time to, to grow. You know, we've seen year over year growth in venture capital numbers of investments coming from outside of Madison being dollars put into our community, uh, that are now starting to reap benefits and rewards. Um, you know, Madison is a general tech community, you know, back in 2009, I would have, you know, ventured to guess there were maybe at most 5,000 tech workers. That number has, you know, nearly quadrupled thanks to Epic, Exact Sciences, Zendesk at the top level, but other startups, um, Places like Fetch Rewards, Redox, Perblue, uh, Ionic now building that that base of the new tech economy. Yeah, and I think it's seeing those successful companies being built over the years is definitely one of the big things that's changed. Um, and seeing those successes, seeing companies be successful, seeing successful founders, and seeing those founders then starting to give, you know, wanting to give back and kind of continue to create this snowball effect of continuing to build up. Um, and amplify the community. I think that's a huge part of it. That is definitely very different than before. Where again, there there were a couple interesting, um, you know, kind of tech companies uh, that that did exist, you know, ten years ago. But definitely, there's a lot more uh, that exists now. And then seeing people coming up in the ecosystem, then seeing those as peers around them and wanting to, you know, wanting to 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 grow a company like they, you know, like they are, um, and then choosing to be in Madison and stay in Madison because that it does exist. It's no longer an exception of. Um, of just wanting to be here and there just happens to be a, a tech community or startup community. It's I want to be here because there's a great ecosystem around me. Who are some interesting startups to watch right now in Madison? I love what Loom is doing. Uh, you know, Loom is essentially a music platform for artists to both be able to exchange intellectual property as well as communicate new lines of music. Uh, I, I really think they're doing some amazing work. Uh, looking what Data Chat is doing to be able to de democratize the process of being able to do uh, real-time data and uh, algorithms uh, and be able to communicate, um, you know, advanced metrics. Uh, Jason Weaver has interesting work that he's working on with AirDeck, uh, being able to share presentations, uh, recorded presentations that really took off during the pandemic. So, like, I see the future very bright for, for the community. The pandemic has presented many challenges for entrepreneurs and also many opportunities. What sorts of services, new ideas, companies have come out of the pandemic? You're looking at the the next wave of telemedicine. So you look at dot-com therapy. This is a company that's providing telecommunication services uh, to rural school districts throughout the United States. And when uh, when the pandemic struck, understanding the the importance of internet access uh, throughout you know throughout the country, but also general services, primarily through educators. This is a company that ends up bridging those links. Um, you know, you can see. Uh, 
you know, the pandemic impacted everyone. Uh, you can see how many companies inside the Madison biotech community, you know, stood up to that challenge to be able to provide reagents to new testing platforms, uh, understanding that although this is a pandemic, what we can not only learn about the virus for all of humanity, you know, those new companies are spurring up, you know, throughout the Madison region. Yeah, I think there's also a lot of new opportunity um, just from an accessibility perspective of access to two different um, technologies, two different markets, two different to employees, um, and what that means in as far as uh, opportunities in the, the, the startup side of things, but also kind of what has happened over the last year of accelerating adoption of things like, you know, Zoom and virtual meetings and stuff, which increases accessibility of different types of resources, um, you know, where you're no longer expected to to be in the same physical spot or have to, you know, get on a plane to have a meeting uh, to either uh, to either find an employee, close an investor deal, like all those things. Like there's a lot of um, interesting innovative, interesting changes that have happened over the last year because of that, which I think does make things a lot more approachable and increases opportunities to uh, to do a lot of different things. As both of you are successful entrepreneurs, what is some of the best advice that you've ever been given? You know, we have many listeners who are just starting to really put their ideas into motion and are getting ready to make the big leap. What's the best advice you've ever received? I think focus is definitely one of the biggest pieces that I've continued to, to learn and, and also see. Um, you know, your time and attention is your most precious resource. It's not how much capital you have. It's not anything else. It's like, what do you want to focus on and what do you want to be most, how can you have the biggest impact with, with what you're choosing to spend your time on and whether that's within your business itself or kind of your broader kind of life priorities and stuff like that's super critical to make sure you're well aligned, uh, well aligned there and, and have setting yourself up success of what is actually realistic and, and best positioning, I think, on, on that side of things. Yeah, I think mine would be focus on, focus on problems that you have control over. You know, there, you can spend plenty of time worrying about things that literally have no bearing, that you have no bearing over. But if you knew, you, if you prioritize yourself around things that you can make an actionable difference around, you, know, you usually find you can, you, can, you can move forward. Are you both finding yourselves in more mentorship type roles as you've been part of the ecosystem and are um, such important folks in the ecosystem over the last 10 years? You know, mentorship is an interesting concept because even as a mentor, you know, you look at, you know, who can provide you guidance, you know, five, five years down your road, your, your, your roadmap. And I'm still learning new things about entrepreneurship every single day, every single week, every single month. Uh, What's a good I, example of that? Not to cut you off, but I'm just curious. At each stage of a company, you have different tools in your tool belt that you can use. When you choose to go down the acquisition road versus, uh, you know, ver versus another method, uh, when you have to decide between acquisition versus grow it yourself, uh, how do you get to point A, you know, from point A to point B as fast as possible with the resources you have? And what are all the pros and cons of that decision? It's not that I didn't understand that five years ago or even three years ago. It's, you know, put pieces in front of yourself. Um, how do you actually make that actionable? And I think that we all just learn over time how to improve upon those skill sets. 
Yeah, I think it's a lot about just as an entrepreneur, you're just solving problems all the time. Like it's you have some choice over like what types of problems you're going to solve, but then it's all about like getting that next thing figured out, solving the next thing, and there's going to be the next thing that comes on the pipe. It's 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 never never ending, and which is both positive and and has it as is negative as well. But um, you're always solving problems, always learning, and sometimes you got to step back and be like, oh wow, actually here's all the stuff we, we did figure out and here's, you know, here's how this all kind of works and kind of in those mentorship moments is kind of when I've, you know, I've had moments where I'm like, oh yeah, this is just explaining what my perspective has been, what our learn, what my learnings have been, experience, you know, kind of recommendations. You know, I'm not definitely a, a, an expert in anything specific, but like I can happily convey like, hey, this is, this is how we did this. This is what we learned. Like, and then in those moments kind of also being self-reflective at myself and being like, oh yeah, actually that was kind of cool <laughs> that we'd learned this stuff and did these things, yeah. And, and how do you tap on the right person's shoulder to end up finding the exact answer that you're looking for? And, you know, sometimes that's one person in this universe. Like you need to find that one individual who has certain answers that can, you know, bring you down that journey. You know, other times, you know, it's going out to Twitter and trying to say, hey, can you solve this problem as fast as possible? Um and, and, you know, quite frankly, some of the benefits of places like Starting Block or Capital Entrepreneurs is when the, you have a problem that you can't talk to anyone else with, there is someone like Forrest who's likely tackled it before. Now, Forrest may not have the right answer for your current situation, but he'll certainly have advice to that. And, and it's using that network. And one of the things that makes Madison so unique, and truly those communities that have raised above the bar of what their economic performance should be, is those strong networks and communities. And, and you do find that on the coasts. One of the things that have made San Francisco so incredibly valuable is that strong network of entrepreneurs, you know, learning from each other, employees going back and forth, uh, amongst various companies, you know, that creates that critical mass. And for really the first time in the last few years, I can now see that happening in Madison um, by the networks that we build. Um, we still have a long way to go. It's still not as inclusive as we should have it as a community. We still have various challenges of seeing how do you get more companies, not only going from the Series A, Series B, early stage side, but how do they grow into international powerhouses? You know, the, the book hasn't been written. We have not reached our pinnacle yet, uh, but we're certainly far along on that journey. And I do think the community, the connections, the network, like those pieces are just such like foundational pieces to be able to build from that social fabric is like key to have those relationships to, to build all this stuff. And again, the kind of tying back to like the capital entrepreneur kind of roots for a lot of this stuff. Like that's what the group like that that really facilitated it kind of built those, helped build that foundation of connections to, 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 to start these conversations, to start that, that sort of feeling of, of, you know, of peer group around folks and, and getting folks connected, I think is uh, really important. You know, one of the reasons why I love Madison is that at a certain coffee shop on the Capitol Square, if you're sitting in Ancora, you can find a venture capitalist, a startup leader, and a, and a senior member of government all in a single coffee shop. You know, you're not going to find that in other communities. Madison is just small enough where there's so many that you're only one degree of separation away from anyone and that you can find, you know, true community leaders, industry leaders, worldwide leaders and subject matter experts, you know, sort of right next door to you. And it's one of the beautiful parts about Madison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like the density of really cool people doing really interesting things is something I've always really liked about it. And I think the more we can continue to build 
those connections and strengthen those connections and make those even more inclusive to build in, you know, bring in other communities throughout the city and within those all connections and communities together and tying those things together. I think that's definitely really valuable in Madison's, I think, positioned well to, to be able to continue to improve on those areas for sure. We've talked about the advantages of the Madison ecosystem and um, the proximity to knowledge bases and resources. What about on a state level? How is Wisconsin doing as a state? Are there some partnerships that are happening between Madison and Milwaukee? How do you see some of those things playing out? Yeah, statewide, uh, the ecosystem has changed, particularly over the course of the last five years. And I'll say maybe Foxconn was one of the impetuses of this, uh, a, a major project that, that I don't think worked out how anybody hoped it would, uh, to say, how do we grow it here versus trying to import it from overseas? And, and that's led to some larger conversations. We now see Titletown Tech in gr the Green Bay area, incubating companies alongside Microsoft and the Packers. We see interesting things going on in the Milwaukee community, uh, everything from what's going on at Ward 4, but other uh, interesting venture funds that are now opening uh, in, in our sort of, like when I say capital, our financial capital of the community. And whether it's in Eau Claire, with, uh, Eau Claire lacrosse area with Jamf, or, or what's going on in Beloit right now with IronTech, you have a, a network, a hub and spoke model of entrepreneurship that's occurring, you know, beyond the walls of Madison. Now, you know, that's still being said, you know, Madison is still the place where entrepreneurship is occurring and the economic generator, uh, still r roughly about 80% of the venture capital flows through Madison. But what's exciting for the entire state our other communities are starting to catch up to that. And I think that when Wisconsin really works is when we see, you know, not Milwaukee catching up to Madison, but eventually surpassing Madison. You know, that's exciting for, for everyone. So what we still need to figure out as a state is how do we share in that wealth to ensure that, that all of Wisconsin is participating in the knowledge-based economy? And one of the, the changes from the last, you know, year and a half is, again, increasing connection and increasing accessibility where you're no longer, the physical location is not as critical, where that's one of the realizations we've had with Starting Block in particular on like the board level is like, how can we, Starting Block's focus is not just about the physical, within the physical walls of the building, like there's this whole other opportunity to reach folks, um, you know, virtually or through other platforms outside of the physical space. And I think you're starting to see some more of that, that benefit and opportunity where we can connect Madison uh, throughout the rest of the state and increase access to opportunities and, and resources um, to other communities throughout the state as well and, and vice versa and just build those uh, build those bridges build those connections further what is something that you're really excited about um, an upcoming project any any information that can be shared some exciting new innovations happening in madison the new school of computer science will be an exciting project for for not only the state of Wisconsin, the city of Madison, but in, in fact, the country. You know, you see some of the leading inventions and novel technologies that have occurred in Madison, thanks to our computer science department. You know, it's more than just physical space. It's the additional staff that will, that, will, that college will allow to be able to, to grow into. Uh, I, I see right now that being one of the most exciting pieces going on. I definitely agree. That's really exciting. What's going on on campus there and building all those different uh, schools together with the new uh, full, you know, school of uh, computer science. Um, 
And, you know, when I was, I, I was a computer science graduate in 2009, I think there was about 200 CS students in the class at that time. And that in that last 10 years, the major has increased tenfold. So now there's over 2000 CS students on campus. It's now the largest major on campus, uh, which is impressive. And I think that one of the things that's really exciting for me is that, you know, even at that time, 10 years ago, seen a lot of potential in place like Madison because of access to really great emerging talent, especially through the CS program at UW. Um, there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of great folks coming up uh, through there from a talent perspective. And now that, you know, that's increased 10x, like that's that's just amazing as far as like thinking about all of those super smart uh, uh, folks coming into the, the the tech ecosystem and market and all those folks are in Madison right now um, compared with the ecosystem developments from the startup and, and tech space as a whole over the last years and just think about how much of a great matchmaking opportunity there is there to keep those folks here, get them, you know, connected with the tech companies that exist here, uh, started, you know, connecting with startups that exist and starting their own companies and like kind of building these up as this really, really interesting opportunity uh, for the whole ecosystem, both on the tech side, but also on the, the startup side as a whole. What's on your wish list for uh, the Madison startup ecosystem and what did the next 10 years look like? I think there needs to be critical reflection of a community that has been historically segregated. Uh, the one that has sort of been closed-minded to how do you actually become an international community? Uh, there are there are many barriers still to entrepreneurship, but also to our entrepreneurial mindset. And it's when Madison takes that next step, it's going to be exciting for the you know, for the entire state, you know, we still have certain, you know, both historical barriers that we need to overcome, but even just internal strife that needs to be addressed in our community. Um, we're on that way. We're, we are making progress, but we still have, uh, you know, the road is not going to necessarily be paved uh, easily for us. Yep. I think that's, that's really important. And then also, you know, just looking back at the roots um, for a lot of the Entrepreneurial ecosystem that exists, you know, definitely started in with a lot of more of the tech startup as a focus, and tech startups predominantly are white male founded and, and run and employees. And how can we expand that to make those more inclusive, more uh, diverse in general as a whole? But then also, um, how can we make how can we expand the mindset and the definition of like what it what it means to be an entrepreneur? Like I think a lot of folks have a very narrow definition of what an entrepreneur can be. Uh, but that definition is actually much more broad than a lot of a lot of folks think about. And part of the things we're wanting to do is expand what that what it means to be an entrepreneur. People thinking about themselves as an entrepreneur, and then getting them connected and feeling part of and building bridges with the entrepreneurial resources that do exist at places like Starting Block. I think that's a really uh, important next next phase here too. And and I would also say our competitors aren't slowing down. You know, you see what's going on right now in the Twin Cities around biomanufacturing and, and bio-innovations. You see what's happening in Detroit around mobility, uh, robotics that's happening, you know, robotics around uh, agriculture in, in Nebraska. You know, they're folks are making major investments around economic development and entrepreneurship. And what we need to, to say is how are we going to be competitive, you know, not only for this century, but for the next century. Uh, those are those, you know, single catalytic moments that we need to say, how will we build the next future business? Uh, that roadmap may not be in the best place at this ex exact moment, you know, because of the infighting politically, uh, because of, you know, some of the institutional limitations and barriers. Uh, we need to find a way to overcome that and, and look towards the future. 
Scott, you mentioned before that, you know, the book had not been written yet about the um, entrepreneurial ecosystem experience and that many of these different things that are happening in Madison um, seem that they might inform that in the future. Will there be a book written? And and is that something you've ever considered? <laughs> Scott's a really bad writer. Wow. He's a great writer. That is a burn. <laughs> uh, like he's I love I love the diachronic like writer. he's either a great writer or a horrific writer. Uh, I would argue the I'm narrative a, I, would be good. Yeah, I, I would say it's I'm a horrific writer. Uh, so I don't see a book, you know, like immediately in 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 the you know in the immediate future. But what I would say is, you know, most folks would trade places with Madison in a heartbeat. If you had to decide to start a company anywhere else, I would put Madison among the top five to ten communities, you know, anywhere in the country. Um, however, folks are catching up. And if you just rest on your laurels, you're not going to make that kind of progress because we will be surpassed, whether it be a city domestically or internationally. So, um, you know, one, it's important to catalog that roadmap for others to be able to be along that journey. However, I don't know if I'll be the one to be writing that. And I think also just looking at, um, you know, the pandemic has definitely changed the, how people work and the whole work, where, where work happens and how it works and how companies are structured. And I think making sure we understand and both as an opportunity uh, for places like Madison, which is a really great, always been a really great place to live um, and quality of life and all that. Um, but I think we need to really look at what the companies looking, the innovative companies are going forward and how they structure. And they, they have a lot more remote employees. Um, they're not traditionally just all, everybody's in one spot about, you know, where, where they're located. And there's interesting pieces around how that then ties back to how you attract these types of people that are either founders of companies or how that works to building these companies and their employee base, but also all the way back up to like, what is that, how does that translate back to economic development incentives and tax credits and how that, you know, in some ways sort of breaks that model for how a lot of those are, are, are structured, which require a certain percent of, a, of, of companies' employees to be based in a physical certain spot, which is in some ways a, a potentially a, a negative uh, to a company that needs to be more remote and have access to more talent that's distributed across the country. Um, you know, what can we do to make Madison a great spot to have these com companies based in general? Um, how can we get founders to want to wanna start companies here and be based here? And in a lot of ways, that's much more of a individual lifestyle choice of like you can now work from anywhere you can start your company from anywhere as an individual and how can madison be on that short list of places where where people want to be said so be able to do that and then have the support network kind of around there to facilitate that the best as possible and be mindful of opportunities in that but also also risks to the current how stuff currently is structured yeah and, and madison does have its knocks against us like you're not going to find the ocean next to Madison. Our mountain ranges are not as stellar as the ones that you might find in Denver or Boulder. Uh, our ocean view is not as nice as the one that you would find in Miami. You know, but there are a number of positive factors, and it's building that quality of life that attract many folks to be wanting to, you know, not only locate in Madison but raise a family in Madison, choose to go to our farmers markets, enjoy, you know, not only nature um, but a quality sporting event on the weekends and, and do it for, you know, what hopefully is an affordable dollar point. Um, we're going to be thinking about what talent looks like in the 21st century, and it's going to be different than those traditional methods, you know, that, you know, economic developers used in the 80s, 90s, and, and 2000s. Was there anything else that either of you wanted to add that we didn't get to today? A lot about a successful economic development is measuring what works and what doesn't work. 
and where communities have failed in the past is looking back and saying, well, it didn't work. It didn't work in the, you know, in the last five years. It didn't work in the last 10 years. It didn't work for us in the last 15 years. Maybe it's going to work again. Um, you know, tracking down metrics is, is critical for economic development. And I would say that, you know, Madison, one of the things I really like about Madison is it's full of very passionate people and everybody in Madison is, wants to be in Madison. They choose to be in Madison for the most part. Like that's definitely very different than a lot of other cities, I think. And that kind of gives that good energy of like people in Madison are here because they want to be here. They want to make Madison the best place that it can be. Uh, and it's really kind of community, community oriented as far as like how people are giving back to the community, really invested in the community, their neighborhoods, their communities, their businesses, all this stuff. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's been really critical to allowing the ecosystem, entrepreneurial ecosystem to build and be successful over the last 10 years is that exact same mindset was really critical uh, and really applied with, with everybody in the, in the ecosystem of like people wanted to make Madison a great place for entrepreneurs. They wanted to build this community around them. It, it didn't exist. You could have easily just moved to San Francisco, but like that was in, very intentional about like, let's make Madison a great spot for entrepreneurs. Like let's, you know, have these passionate folks start to build these things, start to build their companies here, build resources here. And I think that's in a really important mindset that needs to to continue for folks in the ecosystem now, even though there's been a lot of progress over the last 10 years, it's still a relatively, um, you know, fragile ecosystem. It's still relatively small. And I think it's really important to not take advantage of, uh, I lose thought of like that, hey, this stuff is 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 here, but I need to kind of do my part too. I need to give back. I need to help support the ecosystem. I need to kind of be part of it as well, be part of building it and taking it to the next phase and feeling, feeling like you're part of that process is, is important. You know, one of the other positive parts about Madison is you have folks who are pushing you know, that side of innovation all in the same direction, you know, whether it's starting block, whether it's generator, uh, which is a gr great tech accelerator, whether it's the Doyen group focused on, on f female and underrepresented entrepreneurship, uh, whether it's yes, that's now coming to Madison from Milwaukee, whether it's the great work that's happening at Nehemiah, as well as the urban league, you know, you have folks that are you know, barriers and silos have sort of been torn down in Madison. And some of that is, you know, some of the, you know, how capital entrepreneurs and others, you know, found its way forward and pathway in the community. Uh, you wouldn't find many other communities that have a chamber of commerce that's sort of hand in hand with its grassroots entrepreneur scene. That just doesn't happen. So I think there is a special sauce to Madison that you don't necessarily find know anywhere else but it's also fragile enough that that you could also see it you know revert back if if we're not careful i want to thank you both so much for being here today for all of the work that you have done and all the work that is yet to be done um all of my gratitude thank you so much thank you thanks Nora. that's it for today thank you for listening to the innovate 608 podcast What's the most innovative thing you've done this week? Record a message all about your innovation and send it to us in an email at innovate608 at startingblockmadison.org. Be sure to check out the Starting Block Madison Facebook page for video clips and episode outtakes. Remember, innovators, do one thing every day that is slightly outside of your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thanks so much to the American Family Insurance Institute for Corporate and Social Impact for sponsoring this episode. See you next time.